Welcome to the Virtual Staff Room, a podcast made for teachers, by teachers, and all with a dash of educational technology thrown in. My name is Joachim Cohen, and today, like every day, I am joined by two rather awesome members of a Technology for Learning team, Linda Lazenby and Yvette Pashoglian. Welcome, team. Great to be here. Hi, so looking forward to this episode, Joe. Have you created a graphic for your social media profile, a picture to enhance your Facebook post? How about an electronic poster to prevent, promote your event? Website graphics. These are the new tools for work and school. But in the past, creating them, well, it's been hidden behind the veil of complex tools. But this process is now much more accessible. And that is in no small part to an Australian company powered by Australian innovators that is now a global phenomenon. So in today's episode, we will chat to the driving force behind this digital disruptor and then provide the tools to inspire your students to get creating digitally. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by someone whose company has democratised the creation of creative content. A team who asked the question, why does creating digitally have to be so hard? And a group whose could we was grounded in solving a problem for one of their founders' mums, a primary school teacher, Australian entrepreneur and co-founder of online creativity house Canva, Cameron Adams, welcome to the virtual staff room. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe, for having me. Cameron, it's Yvette. I can tell you we're a little bit starstruck here. We're all Canva users. We love the tool. We're inspired by your mission. Put the design in the hands of people who weren't able to design before. Um, for the uninitiated, tell us a little bit about Canva. Um, you probably need not much introduction for our teachers who are listening. <laughs> sure. I think my, my favourite one sentence sum up of it is that Canva is a design tool for people who can't design. Uh, we were inspired very early on to bring design to people who hadn't thought they could access it before. And we really strongly believe that design brings great communication to anyone. Um, and often people are communicating without design things and that puts them in a bit of a handicap. So we wanted to put a tool in the hands of people that let them design great things, get their message out, communicate much better and achieve greater things through the usage of design. Uh, so you can access Canva through the website, canva.com, or you can access it through our mobile apps. And it lets you design pretty much anything. Uh, we've slowly been expanding it over the last nine years from social media posts to presentations and flyers and business cards and t-shirts. Uh, and now you can even make videos on Canva. So pretty much anything you need to design and communicate can be done on Canva. That's fantastic, Cameron. Can I ask, um, you know, it's not where your story began uh, with Canva. We know you've had an exciting journey starting with um, reinventing email at Google um, and beginning your own startup. Can you tell us a bit about your journey? Yes, I actually ran a very small design agency, which is basically me down in Melbourne for six years. And as part of that, I built up a few clients and eventually got introduced to someone at Google and went to work on a project there that was very top secret. I remember walking in, my first day on Google, I had no idea what I was going to work on. And they introduced me to one of the founders of Google Maps, who was Lars Rasmussen. And the four of them were in a very tiny hidden room. It was like blocked off from everyone else in the office. And they were working on this little product called Google Wave, which was their take on what 
communication and collaboration would be like in the modern world. So they wanted to take email and document writing and bring it into uh, you know, the new world of the internet. Um, and they'd, they'd had this idea and they'd pitched it to the CEO and the founders of Google. And they said, go away, build a prototype and come back to us when you've got it. Um, and that's where I was. I was coming in to help them out with the prototype. They'd been building it for a while, but hadn't had a lot of design thinking behind it. So I came in, I was a, a UI and UX designer at the time and helped them kind of polish it up, figure out how to get people to use it, how they could um, make it more efficient and work better. And we took that prototype to uh, Larry, Sergey, and Eric, who were the, the people that led Google at the time. And they said, this looks awesome. We're going to give you a team. Uh, and we went from about five people to a team of 60 people in the space of two weeks, um, which was quite a rapid growth. Uh, we spent the next four years actually building out Google Wave and went through a bit of a roller coaster. There was lots of uh, internal kind of fights and politics and eventually we launched it. It wasn't quite the stellar success that we thought it might be. Um, and we struggled along for probably about a year uh, trying to try all these different ways to actually get, uh, have a good go of it. Uh, but eventually it was decided to actually shut it down. And I uh, wandered around Google in a bit of a daze after that for probably six months, trying to find something that I was really passionate about and eventually ended up leaving Google with a couple of other Google engineers. And we started a startup called Fluent. And we hadn't really learned our lesson by that stage. So we tried to tackle email again, and we built a, a new email client that wasn't quite as futuristic as Google Wave, but tried to make email a little better. Um, and we actually ended up building you know, what we thought was a pretty good product, and we had quite a few people using it, uh, and went on this whole journey of, of what a startup is, like trying to get your product, and then trying to get investment for it. Uh, we flew to San Francisco, did like 40 different presentations in the course of two weeks and, and desperately tried to get someone to back us, almost got over the line, had the contract pulled out at the last moment. Um, so it was a very chaotic and stressful time. Um, but that was like all condensed down into one year. And at the end of all that, I came back to Sydney and got an introduction to a couple of people called Melanie Perkins and Cliff Obrecht. And they kind of told me what their idea was for camera and it sounded really brilliant, something that resonated with me in terms of bringing creativity to people who hadn't been able to experience it before um, and creating this amazing new tool. So I thought I'd throw my hat in with them and the three of us started creating Canva in 2012. Wow. And you know what? This is one of those circumstances where I'm going, I'm so, so pleased that what you did in the beginning didn't work because otherwise we wouldn't have the amazing tool that is Canva. And um, on that, we've, we've been doing our research, Cameron, and, you know, hearing this story about, you know, you're coming back and, and receiving this problem from, from Melanie and, and, you know, being a, an impetus from a school teacher, a problem faced with yearbooks. Tell us about Fusion Books. Yes. Yeah, so Mel and Cliff used to live in Perth uh, and, Obviously, they grew up there and they started quite a few businesses over there during their, during their early days. The, the one that they kind of finally landed on was Fusion Books, which developed out of this need they saw with schools creating their yearbooks. So every year, school had to create a yearbook and sometimes it would be driven by the teachers, sometimes it would be driven by the students and everyone would have to figure out exactly how they were going to do this. So they had to 
find some layouting software, gather all the content, learn about printing, send it off to the printer, make all these decisions about the paper that you're going to use and how you're going to bind all the pages and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it was a really complex process. Uh, and, you know, their mum and, and teachers they talked to uh, were crying out for something that would make this easier. And A, let teachers and students collaborate on it. And B, just be an easy to use design tool that let them get their content in and express themselves as easily as possible. So they started building this and they actually used some contractors to start with and a couple of digital agencies and ended up getting it built. And I think they ran Fusion Books for four or five years um, and really staked out a good, a good market in the yearbook market. Uh, they kind of dominated the Australian space. Uh, they were also in New Zealand, and they also had a um, Fusion Books office in France as well. Um, but through this process, they learned a lot about, you know, helping people create things, creating software, uh, and they had a bigger vision than just yearbooks. And that's where Canva came in, uh, moving from yearbooks to pretty much anything you ever want to create and how to offer that to people in a really simple manner that made it accessible to the 99% of people who had never experienced design before. Never under best, underestimate the power of mums, hey? <laughs> I love it. Um, the, two of the things, Cameron, that drove Canva in the beginning are things that are close to our hearts, um, browser and something like Photoshop, which you know teachers do come into contact with. We love the power of both, um, but I'm an English teacher and things like Photoshop are out of my league. But yet I love Canva and I can really get into that creativity that it allows and all the new features particularly are things that, you know, I think teachers are just going to really sink their teeth into. Is the power of tech right now that it has the capacity to turn all of these great ideas that our teachers have, that our students have into a reality? How exciting is that from your perspective to see? Yeah, I was talking about this with someone the other day and about the role of technology in shaping the products that we use. And uh, there's, there's so much technology that we build on top of now. So you mentioned the browser, everything that goes into the browser from HTML and JavaScript to CSS, the idea of designing experience that someone can use on their mobile phone and their laptop. Uh, there's all these building blocks that we use to create digital things now. And there's pretty much no horizon for what you can actually build. So you can assemble all those different technologies in a bunch of different ways and get them to do fantastic things, fantastic things that you can uh, you know, stretch your imagination for. And I think that's probably one of the key things that I learned through, through building Canva is that when you have an understanding of those technological building blocks and you also have a vision of something that you're incredibly passionate about, some way that you want to change the world and have an impact on other people, when you merge those two things together, you get a great product and you get a great company. And that's what we've built here at Canva. We've taken you know, these blocks that are very, you know, there's lots of them. Some of them are simple, some of them are complex, but you assemble them into something that creates this vision for something that you want people to have. Uh, and basically the world's your oyster. You can build something like Canva, you can build something like Instagram, uh, you can build umpteen different things. Uh, and it's amazing what you can do in that technological power is within your reach. I just love how um, simple you make it sound, Cameron, that we can just <laughs> go, and, go and create the next Instagram tomorrow. Um, and it, it is such a brilliant story, the Canva story. And I know that teachers as well as budding ed tech entrepreneurs are interested to hear how you got there. But 
I'm really keen to learn about some of the challenges that you might have faced along the way in that between 2012 and now with Canva. There's there's definitely been quite a few hurdles. Uh, you know, even just getting the first people to, to start working on Canva, there was a lot of work to convince people that it was a good idea, that it was worth their time to work on it, that we were a team they actually wanted to work with and they could trust us. Um, so it took us probably four months to land our very first full-time engineer, someone who could actually help build the product with us. Uh, and then there was the investors. So we started out with, with no funding and we needed to pay the people that we're actually going to employ. Uh, so finding investors who also believed in us as people, that we could actually do something, um, believed in the product that we wanted to build uh, and believed that we could even do it from Sydney, Australia, um, was a real struggle. And it took us a while to find the right investors who believed in us and believed in where we wanted to go. Um, over the years, growing that team, uh, finding the right people at the right time and finding those little trigger points that you need to grow both the product and the company uh, has been really important. Um, there's been quite a few inflection points throughout Canva's journey, points where I can look back and say, yes, that is a time when we made a great decision that helped us really scale. Um, stuff like translating into our first language. Um, Canva was just in English for a very long time, uh, which meant that you know, it was great for the Australian market, it was great for the US market. Uh, but if we wanted to reach someone in Kenya or Indonesia or Russia, it was really hard for us to do that because they had to speak English. Um, and it was a massive goal that we actually set ourselves in 2016. Uh, but we wanted to get camera from just one language into at least five different languages. Um, and we set out that year, it was kind of a goal that we set ourselves, but we didn't quite exactly know how we we're going to do it. Uh, but we knew the first few steps that we we're going to take to get there. Uh, and we started with a team of two people working on this and it ended up actually taking over pretty much the whole company, which was about 60 people at the time. So they all worked on translating and internationalizing and getting our application into different languages and our emails into different languages. And it took the whole year, but by the end of the year, we actually translated Canva into eight different languages. Uh, and the following year, we translated Canva into 100 different languages. And that just opened up totally different market to us. You know, people who previously couldn't access Canva, who could now access it on their mobile phones in the middle of Brazil and use it for totally different use cases than we were used to, than we were thinking of when we were building a product for the Australian or the US markets. Um, so yeah, there's been heaps of those moments along the way, which have been both challenging, but also massive opportunities for growth and massive ways for Canva to innovate and change. Mm. That's a pretty amazing story, Cameron. I think what inspires me in hearing that is how uh, the goals that you've had, you know, are, are not just driven by, as you say, growth, but really driven around equity uh, for everybody. And um, that's uh, something that's close to all educators' hearts. I know it's uh, fantastic to hear. And and I guess I, I want to build on that that what you were talking about with your small team. And and you, I, from what I've found, you there's a core group of of three of you there and one thing that I suppose we do in classrooms today is we really do do a big focus on teamwork and as one of three you're very different people what kind of different skills did you bring to that initial startup of the of Canva and even where it is today yeah I think we're still very different people today and I think it was one of the great things that came out of my previous failures was that I got to know myself a bit better, know what I was good at and also what I was bad at. 
and what I needed in the partners that I worked with. So when I came across Mel and Cliff, it just kind of all clicked together for me because I knew that I could bring the technology and product building aspects, uh, but the ability for Mel and Cliff to build a business, one that you know, was bringing in millions of dollars in revenue already and could lead a team, find the people to come with them and have a really big vision for what they wanted to do. Those are all the things that fit really well together with me. So the three of us worked really well together, uh, you know, back then and still do. And I remember we, we had this sheet of A4 paper that Mal had drawn up and it had like all the departments of a big company that we thought we might need. So we had like a marketing department, an engineering department, a design department, and we kind of all carved it up between us, uh, even though there was only three of us. So like I would be the design department and the engineering department and Mel would be the marketing department and Cliff would be the, uh, the HR department and we'd go off and try and, and hit our goals through there. Eventually, we kind of filled in the gaps with a bunch more people, uh, but the lines are still pretty much there. Like they're the, they're the areas we focus on um, and they're our passion areas and what we're good at, so we still stay involved in them. Cameron, as, as the company's evolved and changed and grown, and we've got lots of teachers that are teaching entrepreneurship to students and are fascinated by, you know, I'm fascinated by your story, as your role has changed and you know, you've gone from being all things to all people, what does a day look like for you now or is it still a really different uh, deal each day? What, what are you focusing on? It is very different each day and, and it has changed drastically over the last nine years. So I think I've gone through a bunch of personal growth from being someone who was an individual contributor, someone who made something with their own hands, well, you know, not carving wood, but typing on a keyboard. Um, and uh, I was used to being the executor, the person who did things and, and you know, pushed stuff out. And over the years, you know, we've had to grow the team. We now have a team of close to 2,000 people spread out across the world. And they all help build the product and make decisions and do the marketing and, and field our customer support inquiries. Uh, so it's not like we can just dive in and do all that ourselves anymore. And learning that, learning how to bring a team together, inspire them to set their own goals, uh, inspire them to work with their teammates and collaborate effectively and help them grow from being their own individual contributors to their own team leaders and their own big group leaders. Uh, that's been a real journey for me, but one that I think I've definitely improved on and I've learned a bunch of skills through. Uh, and nowadays I spend a lot of my time advising other people at the company about how they can lead, how they can build product, uh, still looking a lot at the product and like little interactions and features that we're launching, uh, brainstorming ideas with people, helping them get clarity on the next steps they should take. Uh, so it's a lot more meetings um, and a little less like actually, you know, drawing icons and that type of stuff. Uh, but it's still pretty fulfilling and like seeing people grow get their first team, uh, work with a bunch of other people and ship these features that go out to tens of millions of people around the world uh, is still pretty exciting. Gosh, it sounds like a very inspiring workplace, though, that's for sure. You know, we have a huge focus in the work that we do on STEM um, as a future career pathway for our, our young people. I'd be keen to know what your thoughts are about creativity and design and, and how our, our young people should be thinking about career progression. 
I think uh, creativity is definitely going to be one of the most in-demand skills, you know, for, for the for, for the future, uh, particularly as automation and uh, computers and machine learning becomes, you know, more integrated into everything that we do. Creativity isn't something that's just assigned to people that can draw well. Uh, you know, I have a background as both a designer and an engineer. As a designer, I'm like, I'm a terrible artist. I can't draw anything. If I tried to draw a frog, you'd probably think it was a stone. Um, but I still think of myself as a creative person. So someone who can problem solve, who can come up with new ideas, can look at things from different perspectives uh, and bring something new to the table. And it's something that we value a lot in the people that work at Canva and in the way that they work together as a team, because no one at Canva does something just by themselves. There's no one that creates something and ships it just as a one person show. It's always about sharing your ideas with people, building on top of other people's ideas, bringing new perspectives, uh, looking at things through a different lens. Uh, and to me, that's really what creativity is about. It's like being open to new ideas and being flexible to adapt and iterate. And no matter what you're like, good at, whether you're a business person or someone who loves coding or indeed someone who loves to pick up a paintbrush and create something. You can be creative and you can think in different ways and you can include other people in that act of creation. Uh, and I think that's the biggest thing we can teach people. Mm. I think you've, you've somewhat uh, summed up what I was, what we were gonna, what I was going to ask you next, but I, you know, I think, um, you know, th this, this idea of, of, of design uh, is, is a little bit like STEM uh, in the way that really, no matter what career pathway students choose, they're probably going to need to have those kind of creativity and design skills, no matter where they actually end up, uh, you know, in their, in their future careers. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the workforce changes so dramatically. Uh, and my wife does a lot of thinking about this, about how to adapt to, to different environments and adapt to the way that the work is changing. I think that a lot of the jobs that we have now didn't exist 10 years ago. Um, and a lot of the ways that people think now about how work should be and how you're meant to work with your colleagues and work in teams didn't exist 20 years ago. So we're constantly evolving and changing and technology aids that and, and changes what it is that we do. Like 30 years ago, most of us would not have worked on a computer. We didn't send emails, we didn't write documents. And now that's a, a lot of what we spend our time on. Um, so you need to be able to adapt to that. And in thinking about how we can best serve students and kids, it's about instilling in them that flexibility and that lifelong learning that they want to have to continuously learn new things, adapt, and be really curious about the world around them because that is the skill that we see is most in demand across everyone that works at Canva. Um, so no matter whether you're writing code or you're sketching out a wireframe or you're determining, you know, looking at some data to determine what feature we should build next, like that curiosity that willingness to learn new tools and methodologies and ways of working is super important. Um, and that's the primary skill I think that will hold you in good stead for the future. Cameron, I love that. Um, it's education week and the theme this year is lifelong learning. So I think you've touched on a nerve there for, for all of our listeners. And I think, you know, the advice you've given for students around creativity is just absolutely you know, gold and the flexibility too. But if you could go back in time to your 16 year old self, what did you want to be at that age? 
At 16, I probably wanted to be a rollerblading star or else I would be a, well, I kind of had a, had a split personality. I either wanted to be a lawyer, I was doing legal studies at the age of 16, or I did want to be an artist. And uh, I, I, I was actually a better drawer back then than I am now. So I could draw a decent, decent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Um, and, but I didn't, I didn't kind of flex my artistic muscles for, for a long time and they kind of withered. Uh, so back then it was either like, probably would have said an artistic lawyer is what I wanted to be. Specialising in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles maybe. Yeah. Um, so I know we've had some exciting news in the last couple of weeks about New South Wales public schools and how our educators can use Canva. Do you want to share uh, with everyone, our listeners, what the news is? It has been an amazing partnership with the Department of Education and we're so pleased to see it roll out now that every teacher and every student in New South Wales can use Canva for education entirely for free. Uh, we're super excited about that and, and super excited to be able to partner with you and bring design to classrooms all over New South Wales. It is fantastic. And for all of you listeners out there, we'll make sure we put links in the show notes so you can go and find out how to access uh, Canva as a teacher and then invite your students along. That is for sure. And I tell you, Cameron, well, I was so excited to hear you speak about the innovations that seem to always be on the boil at Canva. And we've seen, you know, video, we've seen presentations come on board. What's next? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure I can tell you what's next, Joe, but um, we're constantly... We are constantly thinking about new ways of communicating at Canva because that's essentially that's what it boils down to for us. Like what design is, is about ways of communicating. Um, and the world has changed drastically over the last nine years with Canva. Uh, you know, sharing videos, you wouldn't have thought about it uh, in 2012. And now it's an everyday part of our life that we share videos of ourselves teaching, uh, videos of kids explaining new concepts. Um, so like our developments in creating a video design tool in Canva was a response to that. Um, and we're constantly looking for ways in which people are looking to communicate in new ways. Uh, AR and virtual reality are just around the corner. So who knows, that might be an area that we have to dive into to actually start figuring out how people can create great virtual reality experiences. Oh, well, that sounds particularly exciting, um, Cameron, that's for sure. Um, look, we're getting towards the end of our time with you. What message would you like to pass on to our listeners, uh, the teachers of our New South Wales public schools, as they start to engage the next generation of our creators and makers? I think, yeah, to, to return to what we were saying before, like inspire that creativity in your students, no matter what, what they might on the outside be, be good at. Um, you need to find how they can harness those skills, uh, work collaboratively and come up with unique solutions to things because that's what the world needs right now is like solutions to some of the big problems that we're experiencing. Uh, and I think the kids that are going through school today will be the ones that have to A, deal with those problems and B, find solutions for them. So arming them with the tools and the mindset to be able to do that is probably the most uh, important thing you can do. Oh, gee whiz. Um, what an amazing way to finish, that's for sure. And it makes me really curious. I don't know if you've listened into any of our podcast episodes, Cameron, but at the end of every podcast, we have one question that we haven't prepared you for. And oh. um, 
Yes, indeed. Uh-oh. This one is called, it's called Rocket Ship Robots. Now, you might have heard of a podcast, a famous one over in um, the UK called Desert Island Discs. And you need to tell the, you know, it's all a big presentation about what are those tunes you're going to take you with you to a desert island. But we're a technology podcast. We're flying into outer space in our rocket ship. What piece of technology would you take with you? I would have to say it would actually be Spotify or uh, my turntables because I'm a big fan of music. I love making music and listening to music. Uh, so it either have to be something where I can just access all the music mankind has ever, humankind has ever created or create some amazing music myself. So one of those things. Oh, love that answer. That is fantastic. And something that certainly, you know, I think I, 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 whilst I might think I might miss my phone for a day, I would miss my music for a week, a month and a year after I'd head into outer space. So thank you so much, Cameron. Uh, your story will be an inspiration to many. Um, I think that you might be getting a few job applications for you, through from teachers and students and everybody who listens to this podcast. It sounds like a magical place to work. That's for sure. And the tool set you and your team have created is really going to make digital classrooms pop in schools all around the globe. Thank you so much for joining us here on the virtual staff room. Fantastic to hear, Joe. Uh, really happy to be here and hope the teachers of New South Wales enjoy their new Canva accounts. So Joe and Yvette, what an interview. Canva clearly is one of the new tools for school and work. Can you tell us about what some of the awesome features are for teachers and students in Canva for Education? Yeah, Linda, I think you're right. I think lots of us already have accounts with Canva, but there's a really great reason to upgrade to the Department of Education login and to use the uh, premium edition of Canva for Education. It's been created with teachers in mind. And that means you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are loads and loads of templates in there that are suited to your classroom that you just need minor tweaks to in a lot of cases. And especially right now, if teachers are time poor, if they're teaching from home or kids are learning online, you don't have time to go in and do that all the time. So even people that don't and aren't blessed with great design skills can make something look fantastic with the smallest amount of effort. And the thing I like about Canva is that I find it quite an intuitive product to use. So you just need to have a little fiddle with it, a little play, and you will actually come out with something that looks good. So um, I think one of the other things that I really like about the addition for teachers is access to creative um, commons and, and copyright free images. Uh, there's lots and lots of galleries for teachers to use. So it's very easy to drag and drop things because I've, I don't know, I always have the same 50 pictures to choose from. So that's to me is a bit of a win. Joe, what do you like about it? Oh, look, Yvette, I want to touch on the first thing you said, which is just get in there and have a play. You cannot break these new technology tools. So get in there, have a go, see what you can create, use the templates, adjust the templates. So there's so many, as you were saying, but I've been doing a little bit of exploring and I, I created a presentation in Canva. And I was thinking, oh, this is this is really groovy. But then I noticed a little button that said that you could actually record your presentation within Canva. So that really excited me. I could actually go in, play my presentation and get a link to a video of me talking through my presentation. So there are so many features as part of the Canva tool set. Go and explore. Make sure you look at our Canva sign-up page where all the details are, the sign-up link is. And of course, if you're using this tool with, with students who are under 13 years of age, you do need to get parental permission. So all those details, 
all the details of the service because it's it's optional. You don't have to use this tool, but it is pretty groovy uh, on our Canva for Education webpage. So go and check it out. So we have this inspirational tool set, but how do we meaningfully incorporate them into the classroom? Ideas, people. And to get us started, I'm going to start us out and I've got this fantastic resource I found on the department's website. It's called Design Thinking Across the Curriculum. It is a step-by-step -step process that walks students through the design thinking process. And, and you know, I'm thinking they could have an amazing entrepreneurial idea in commerce, in business studies, or something they need to communicate, you know, about entrepreneurship in English. And then they can, they can use Canva's amazing tool set to develop their pitch, develop their promotional materials, and also sorts of things like that. So combine Canva with an idea you've got in your classroom and this design thinking tool set. And I think that sounds like a pretty good recipe. All right, Linda, what have you got? Well, I love what you've come up with, Joe. I've been looking at uh, T4L Kids, the science issue, where we ask students to look at an issue in their community, uh, environmental or otherwise, that they might be able to support, you know, do some research and really share with their audience how they might be able to engage them in supporting their cause. And I thought Canva would be a really good link. Um, you know, they can really make some great um, graphics and documents to support their cause and, and work through the information in that issue. Mm, Linda, I love that too, because the science issue has that real approach of creating a campaign and pushing it out there. And these are just the real world skills we're expecting, not only of ourselves, but also our students. And they are already doing this sort of sophisticated campaigning on their own behalf. Um, and as we move deeper into online learning as well, they're, they're becoming better and better at it. Uh, I love the power of Canva and the power of, of uh, the graphics driven style comms. Um, I think there are some strong links to visual storytelling and uh, picture books and it just you know it, once again I can highlight the everyone's an author um, program which we've got which really does get deep into storytelling using pictures uh, using sounds and other different ways to communicate uh, a narrative so I think there are some really strong links there with the way you can create on Canva and, and also how students might pull together a message and with whatever they're creating. I know in the early part of lockdown event, I had a little bit of a go myself at creating a book using Canva and those mm. really great, easy to use templates. It is a fantastic tool. I agreed. Jump into everyone's an author and then combine it up with Canva. So we've come to the end of another episode of the virtual staff room. And to see us out, we have an awesome tip of techno wizardry wisdom. And we are lucky enough today to hear from Robin, a teacher librarian and digital classroom officer from Dubbo Public School. One of the ways I've been using technology, my top tip, if you like, uh, is with Google Earth. And I put a tour together on Google Earth or a presentation together, looking at places like um, the Sydney Opera House and the Melbourne Cricket Ground and Parliament House in Canberra and various other constructed landmarks that the children would be familiar with or should be familiar with. And they chose uh, one of those landmarks to construct in Minecraft. I linked the tour to their Google Classroom, which I use with them. And then they've been working for the last few weeks in constructing that landmark using uh, Minecraft and they keep going back and forth between the Google tour to have a look at um, what the landmark looks like from different viewpoints. 
So, you know, with the Opera House, they can get down on the water to have a look at it from um, from Sydney Harbour or they can stand in the forecourt or they can look at it from above to see the shape of it and then they're having a go at constructing that in Minecraft. And their take-up of um, their interest level is just sky high because they're using Minecraft, but they're also obviously learning something important about Australian geography. Robin, you are an inspiration. So, Yvette and Linda, can I expect to see some craftily created social media graphics on your profiles or a stunning invitation to our next staff morning tea? Making morning tea is a bit hard at the moment, but I tell you what I can do is create a virtual backdrop. That's what I'm going to work on. Oh, that is the best idea. I love it. This podcast has been produced by the masterful Jacob Druce with the assistance and supreme coordination of many more awesome members of a TPRL team. Just a little note, please be aware that all views expressed by the podcast presenters, that's us, are our personal opinions and not representative of the New South Wales Department of Education. Discussions aren't endorsements of third-party products, services or events. And please note that as much as we sound like it, we are not experts in legalese, tech speak or anything in between. We're just passionate people keen to boost technology for learning in the classroom and to help build the skills in your students and for you to solve the problems of tomorrow. Do your due diligence, read further, and if we've got something wrong, let us know. We too are always learning and always improving. Before we go, please make sure you send us through your comments, your word of techno wizardry wisdom, and your thoughts for new guests and segments. And if you like the podcast, give us a rating so more and more educators find us and be inspired to get a little techie in the classroom. Stay inspired, stay safe, stay compassionate, everyone. Get creating. And thanks for joining us.